you would, open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 28. I think this is my second message in here, but we did have a two weeks hiatus. And uh, see if I can hit the ground running. Uh, you will also need to know where Ephesians 4 is. It's to the right, just a little ways. Ephesians 4, verse 11. Um, a few other places. Uh, I'm going to talk fast because uh, I want to cover apostles. All right, uh, let's read the word of the Lord and ask God to teach us. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 28. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, administrations, and various kinds of tongues. Father, help us to hear. Help us as Paul has exhorted uh, not to be ignorant. Help us to see you from your word, what it is you do. And Father, uh, I just ask that uh, you give me clarity. Uh, Father, I don't want to confuse this issue. Yet, Father, uh, there is so much confusion on spiritual gifts today. Lord, help us to hear. Help us to see your word. Help us to understand your teachings. Help us to understand these divine enablings, these divine enabled people, That we may cherish both and, Father, rejoice at the merciful gifts you've given us. To your glory and praise, in Christ's name, amen. Okay, we are in a study of 1 Corinthians. We've moved into chapter 12. We've done the first, uh, let's see here, first seven verses. It all keys off of, I do not want you to be ignorant. I do not want you to be unaware that you see there in chapter 12, verse 1. And then I wanted to move into verse 28 because I wanted to show you these gifts. We need to understand some things about these gifts. God has given gifts to every child of God. If you are saved today, you have a supernatural ability that God has given you. Listen, it's not a talent. Okay? A talent is something that I can take and I can practice at and I can work at. And as I work at and practice at, I can get better at it, maybe. Okay. Uh, You see people who can do this with musical instruments. They may have a tendency toward that, but they will. Uh, When I was in Russia, everybody there plays the piano, I can conclude. Okay. And some of them do a very good job and some of them are a step up than me. Okay? But if you sit and practice at it long enough, you will get good at it. Most of us who have worked, we do different jobs in different places um, and, and trades. Uh, we are good at that because we kept doing it over and over. It is not a spiritual gift. Okay? A spiritual gift is for the body's strengthening and it is done through a person and it has, they can take no credit for it. All right? Um, one that I know that, that sometimes, anyway, mine, I do not like speaking in front of people. I don't mind sitting down at a coffee table and sitting there discussing and, and, and stuff like that. But to speak up in front of a bunch of people is, I don't like that. I've never liked that public speaking or whatever you want to call it is. I don't want to do that. I have no part of that. So what does God want me to do? Well, stay humble because you can't do this and you don't like doing this. So here you do this. All right. And I'll do it through you. All right. One of the things that I see in the body of Christ today, as was in the church in Corinth, is there is an ignorance of what spiritual gifts are. Okay, this verse here, you see, God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then Okay, stop right there. He's dealing with, right there, four separate individuals. Okay, if you look at Ephesians chapter 4, you will see that in that text, the Apostle Paul, verse 11, he gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers. Okay, in the original language, pastors and teachers are two separate words. All right. Um, so if you look at it, there's five gifted people in the body of Christ. These are not gifts. They are the individual is a gift to the church. Okay, you've really got to get a hold of this. There is no gift of pastoring. There is a gift of a pastor. 
All right? His gift will be made up of multiple gifts to make him be able to accomplish what it is he's doing. Do the same with an apostle. An apostle is a gift to the church. All right? Evangelists, even teachers, you can have a gifted teacher. All right? But that person's gift is made up of, they'd better have some wisdom, don't you think? They'd better have some discernment. I mean, if you're going to teach, right? You better have some exhortation, probably a little side order of mercy in there. Okay? You see? Why? Because you need all of this if you're going to teach. Or if you're going to pastor. All right? And yet, every Christian has gifts. Okay? Plural. And it is, it is a, a, a manifestation, it's a manifold wisdom, Hebrews says, of God, and it's painted through the individuals so that the whole body comes together and looks like Christ. Okay? So every Christian has received a divine enabling, a divine empowering. Okay? But we also see... Here and in, in, in 4.11 and also in Corinthians 12.28, that there are gifts of men. A man who was given to the body as a gift from God. All right? Um, basically, if you look at this, you find five. Apostles, prophets, all right? Evangelists. Pastors, teachers, all right? So you have five, all right? Again, they're not talents. They are gifts. Um, uh, You see it in these two texts. Um, One of the things that I think that is hurting the church today in America is that we don't look for the gifted people. Okay, listen, if you've got somebody who is a charismatic speaker, that does not make them a pastor. And yet, what is it we chase today? One of the greatest speakers that the world has ever seen was Adolf Hitler. He could stir up a crowd. He could get passion. He believed and he could convince. Is that what we want? No. No. But what are you basing that on? Remember when Israel wanted a king because everybody else had a king? And what did that get them? It got them a king, right? And they picked the big, the tall, and the tough, right? And what did it get them? Nothing. Got them war. And he says, I am your king, God said. And yet that's what we see today in the church is this is a blessed church because... Who? You know, one of the greatest churches that I've ever studied in my entire life is the church in Thessalonica. No time since the founding of the church in Thessalonica in roughly 66, 67 AD has there not been a church in Thessalonica. The city's changed its name. It was Thessaloniki for a while, Thessaloniki for a while. I think it's Thessaloniki today. It's changed. It's been under Ottoman Empire. It's been under the Roman Empire. It's been under the Greek Empire. It's been under the European Empire. But there's always been a Bible-believing church there. A preaching church. You know what? The church in Ephesus is gone. Ephesus is gone. Okay? Corinth is gone. All these other cities that you can lay out to see is gone. Thyatira is gone. Smyrna is gone. Okay? They're all gone. Okay? There's always been a church in Thessalonica. Don't you find that fascinating? Do you know who the pastor is? No. Do you, did he write any books? What was his radio program? Television? But there's always been a Bible preaching church in Thessalonica. How's come? Because they bowed to the Word of God. They received the Word of God as if it was what it is, the Word of God. All right? So when I look at these, I look at these. uh, Who are these people? What are these people? Just that first grouping there. All right? That's the ones I want to look at. Apostles, prophets, teachers. Okay? Remember Ephesians, we see pastors also, okay? Who are these people? And I start asking questions. Why? Because I don't want to be ignorant about this, 
All right? They are given to the church. All right? That's what he says. They're given to the church. All right? At the same period of time, are they all active? Are they all there? Are they for the duration of the mystery age, the church age? Are they there? Um, Does the church always have these? Does it have to have these to be a church? Okay. Uh, Was there a time when the church didn't have all five? Okay. And then that leads me to my concluding question. How about now? How about now? Does the church today have apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers? Okay? Let's see what the scripture says. All right? First one I want to deal with, that's our focus this day, is the apostles. In the history of the church, please note this. This was the primary gifted man in the history of the church ever. All right? The word there is apostolos or apostoleo. Okay, apostoleo is the verb. Um, and it is a very common word in Greek, whether it is biblical Greek or secular Greek. It is used all the time. Um, um, I would call it garden variety. Um, it is basically the word for a messenger. Um, if I tell Stephanie to take uh, this letter down and mail it, guess what she's doing? She's an apostolos. Okay? I went to Russia to preach the word. You sent me. Guess what? I was an apostle of Castle Rock Baptist Church in a very generic sense. Okay? If you share the gospel, okay, the biblical gospel, not some of these things you hear today that help people see Jesus. I'm talking about you share the Bible. Who gave you the word? Christ did, right? God, Christ. So then by you sharing it, you are a messenger of who? God. So you see how it's a very generic um, term, all right? Um, And I think that this is part of the confusion in the church. Um, the actual root word for apostolos is the word you and I get anglios from, is the word you get angel from. And an angel is a messenger. Is a messenger. I mean, even, even Michael the archangel, when he blows the tuba or whatever, horn, okay? When he does that, he's sending a message. Guess what? The gig is up. <laughs> okay? Um, so, so I want you to understand this because some see this in the New Testament and they want to elevate everyone um, to an office, to a special place. Uh, I've had a couple of people here in Castle Rock say, well, what you sound like you do is you should be an apostle. And, you know, when I first heard that, I thought, well, I am. I have a message. My boss has given me a message and I give that message to Whoever gets in my way. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of the way it is. Here's the Bible. You don't like it? Take it over with my boss. Um, but I want to try to help you to understand this. Um, and and I, everybody, loves, please understand, the, the brethren in Russia love me because I am simple. And I think that's a positive thing. Maybe it ain't. But anyway, all right. Here's where I want to look at apostle. Big A. Small a. Okay, you can have a big A apostle and a small a apostle. All right? Um, So your Bible trivia question for the day is, who is the first apostle? Now, there's a trip to Barbados laying on this, if you can get it right. Okay? Peter? Paul? John? Mary? Oh, that's a different group. Sorry. <laughs> Chapter 3, verse 1 says, Holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider Jesus the apostle and high priest of our confession. That would be a capital A. Chapter 3, verse 1. Partakers of the heavenly calling, consider Jesus the apostle and high priest of our confession. Who is the first apostle? 
Christ. Why? He was the first messenger. He was the first sent one. God sent him. He had a message. He says he was under obligation to a ruler. His God, our Father, he incarnate said, you will do this. That is apostle with the capital A. All right? But you can see some other guys that are apostles with a capital A. I don't want to go to all these verses, but the 12 are called apostles. All right? Matthew chapter 10, verse 2. You can just write these down. I'm not going to go through these. Jesus calls the 12 the apostles. Matthew chapter 10, verse 2. Luke chapter 6, verse 13. And I want to go to Acts chapter 1, verse 25. This is where they have gathered together in the upper room, the survivors. All right? Um, Holy Spirit is doing his thing. Jesus has done his thing. Um, and it says there in verse 25 to occupy this ministry and apostleship from which Judas turned aside to go to his own place. Interesting concept, huh? It's saying that Judas could have been an apostle, but he went to his own place. All right. Who was this? Matthias. Matthias. They were choosing one to replace Judas. And the one that replaced him was Matthias. So Matthias was numbered with the 11 apostles. So now you see when I I speak of this apostle, I'm speaking of the big A. Uh, It has a technical meaning to it. It is different than the general messenger thing. Christ gave it a technical meaning. Um, If you want to use an official title, if you want to use the proper name, I just like Big A, the capital A Apostle. All right? That was not the limit of the official apostles, capital A's. Romans chapter 1, verse 1, Galatians chapter 1, verse 1, says that this man was separated to the gospel of God, by God. Who was this man? The Apostle Paul. Capital A. All right, so I see 13 capital A's. Okay? The great cry that reaches up from evangelical corners is, but Terry, the New Jerusalem only has 12 foundations, and there's only 12 thrones. How can you have... 13 apostles. Perhaps Peter and them guys got it wrong for getting Matthias. And by getting Matthias wrong, God wanted Paul. Okay, and so they, they kind of jumped the gun there. Uh, no, read your Bible. <laughs> Sorry. Um, verse 22 of Acts 1 says, well, verse 21. Okay, therefore it is necessary that of the men who have accompanied us, All the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out from among us, beginning with the baptism of John until the day that he was taken up front of us, one of these must become the witness of his resurrection. Okay, that's a qualification for the capital A apostle. You know what that means? Matthias was the right man. Why? He was there from the baptism of John and he was there to the resurrection where he ascended. Paul wasn't. Paul wasn't. Now listen, Paul did see... The resurrected Christ, three times my calculations say, or three times written that he says he saw him. But you know what? I do not believe that the Apostle Paul is going to be let out of the awards. I don't think Paul's going to be brokenhearted that there's, there's only 12 foundations and I don't get my own foundation on the New Jerusalem, or that there's 12 thrones and I don't get my own throne, or anything like that. Let me tell you something. If you're a Gentile today, you are adding to Paul's reward. Okay? And Paul's been gone for a little while, in case you didn't know. But he's been gone out of here, and yet he's, he's got, it's almost like he's got rewards in escrow. You know, and just every time a Gentile comes to salvation, that is because of the Apostle Paul. All right, so, you know, I love Paul. I love Paul more than any man I know. But I don't think he got cheated. Okay? Remember, he's the guy, he went up to third heaven, seen things there I can't even talk about. That's a reward. I mean, it'd be depressing to have to come back, but it's still a reward. Okay, so don't worry about him. He's still going to get his reward. Matthias was the right guy. Capital A, apostle. 
All right? They needed to be a part of the Lord's earthly ministry. Paul was not. Okay? Matthias was. So you have 13 called... um, 13 called by the resurrected Christ. Okay? I'm not talking about Jesus incarnate. I'm talking about the Holy Christ when His humanity is all gone and all you got is incarnate God. Okay? So, 13, and I've got a little note here that says that are unequally set apart, and that would be the greatest understatement made of mankind. To see the resurrected Christ and to say that was unequally set apart is sort of, well, duh. Um, So, I have these 13. What was it they were about? Let me give you a, a heads up on that one. In 1 John, you can, if you guys want to try to keep up, you can. Um, but if not, that's fine. 1 John chapter 1, verse 1 says, 1 John chapter 1, verse 1 says, What was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have looked at and touched with our hands concerning the word of life? And the life was manifest. And we have seen and testify and proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and manifest to us. We have seen, we and heard, we proclaim to you also that you may have fellowship with us. Indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. Now listen, you've got to get a hold of that verse right there and you've got to have your historical line intact. When was 1 John written? 90 AD. It was written right around the book of Revelations. Okay? How many apostles were alive? One. The author of this book, 1 John. When he uses the word we, who has he got to be talking about? The other apostles. Can only be the other apostles. Well, now, wait a minute. I think you're trying to... No, 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 no. He's been on the island of Patmos. He just got cut loose. Okay? And he says, we have seen... We have heard, we have seen his manifestation. How many people at the time of the writing of 1 John could step into that line? One. We only know of one survivor out of the upper room. That would be John. Please understand that. All right, so when he says, we heard, we handle, we declare to you. Okay, so what is the job of an apostle? To declare to you what we have seen, what we have heard, what we have handled. Okay? So, for an apostle, they have to see, heard, and handle. Paul fit that? Absolutely. Absolutely. Remember? On the road, a little problem on the road, couldn't see, and everybody thought he lost his mind, and all of a sudden he got blind. And Why are you persecuting me? John is speaking as an apostle, as someone who has heard, someone who has seen the manifestation of Christ, and that apostle then declares it unto us. Declares it unto us. You cannot be an apostle today. Capital A. Why? Where'd you see Jesus? Okay, now, there was a little incident Ryan was telling me about down here on the interstate. There was a guy trying to walk across the interstate and got arrested by the cops who claimed to be Jesus. Okay, but I'm thinking it wasn't him. Uh, my understanding of Scripture is that when he comes back the second time, uh, there's no doubt in anybody's mind. Okay, so that guy down there, I'm thinking, wasn't him. All right, so for capital A Apostle today, sure, if you want him, all I have to do is see the resurrected Christ. Okay, no problem. Okay? They had to be those who had seen and heard and had this personal relationship with Christ. You need to understand something. Paul spent three years in the Arabian desert doing what? Being taught by the person of Christ. Okay? I don't know how that all works out, but that, you talk about a seminary experience. I mean, <laughs> he's not grading on a curve. Okay? What paper would you like to write? All right. In Acts chapter 1, verse 22, I showed you that they had to be a witness with us of Christ. So we, we, we kind of got that one clear. All right. So there's Paul has seen him. 
Paul had had fellowship with him, had beheld him, had learned from him. All right? That is what I call the big A apostle. The big A apostle. All right? Um, what about the other uses of the apostles? Okay? That's used in the Bible. There's numerous guys. I'll, I'll give them to you here in a minute. Um, again, understand what the word means. The word means a, a sent messenger. Okay, this person says, I need you to take this and do this. So this person sent this person, so that's the messenger. Criswell said this. They are like, speaking of the big A apostles, they are like delegates to a constitutional convention. When the work is done, the office stops, unquote. Okay, we need apostles, even prophets today. I've heard people tell me that. Listen, I'm not talking about dudas. I'm talking about mainline conservative evangelicals who say we need those. We need to find these men. Um, I struggle with that because after chapter 15 of the book of Acts, you never hear a word about apostles again. And here's what is really weird to me. Three books, four books hit me the hardest on what is the church. One is the book of Ephesians, 1 and 2 Timothy and Titus. Okay? Powerful books on the church. All right? There's nothing mentioned in there about apostles. For that case, or prophets. Okay? Those three books, four books, deal with um, how the church is to run, how the church is governed, how the church is to operate. It even deals with who is supposed to lead the church, who is supposed to um, guide the church, who is supposed to serve the church. And you know what? You never see apostle. You never see prophet. I, see, I find that fascinating for people who are, who are pushing this agenda. Um, like I said, after Acts 15, uh, last time, you know what? After Acts 15, I don't see where the apostles all got together. They were basically scattered all over the place. Acts 15 came together. And Acts 15 is really fascinating to me. This is just a little footnote. This is curiosity. This is sort of how my mind thinks. Okay. You had, that's the Jerusalem council. Okay, basically what was happening was people were trying to get Gentiles back up under the Mosaic law. Okay, you can be saved, but you know, maybe you need to get circumcised. Maybe you need to go do this and get some of this done and keep the Mosaic law. Okay, and so there was sort of a, a schism starting in the, in the church and it, it's the infant church. And so all the apostles show up in Jerusalem. Okay, you know who presides over the meeting? James, the Lord's brother. He's not an apostle. You have the pastor of the First Baptist Church of Jerusalem. And when I mean First Baptist Church, I'm talking First Church. Yes, it was a Baptist. They were baptizing. See, I told you, you guys think well, we've been around a long time. Okay? It's just now we happen to be Southern. Okay? Because we, we had that little war problem. No. Um, but do you see what I'm trying to get at? Uh, that's we're southern because it's great to watch a Russian brother try to translate y'all okay I mean that just they go so anyway I, I just it's stuff like that that we need to pay attention to because they're scattered all over the place they gather back one time Acts 15 you don't see apostles together ever again never ever again I mean, Paul run into Peter up in Galatia, and that wasn't much fun. But anyway, but other than that, um, now I want you to think about this. Okay, in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 20, okay, it's talking about the church. And it says the church is built on the foundation of what? The apostles and prophets. Okay, now let me ask you a question. When you go out to build a house, maybe you don't know the answer to this. When you go to build a house or a building or you're going to build something, how many foundations do you lay? One. You don't need one for each floor. Right? So what was the apostles supposed to be doing and the prophets? Foundation work. Okay? Then you build from that point up. So biblically... 
I don't see a need for apostles and prophets. Okay, I used to be in construction. I don't see a need for another foundation. I see a lot of people wanting another foundation. Okay, but let me tell you something. You build a building, you got to start with a corner that's square. And the church has one corner. Christ Jesus. And if you want another foundation, where are you going to start at? You're going to start with Christ Jesus, and then where are you going to go? You're going to go to the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. What I see the church in America today doing is they're canning the foundation, which tells me that you have canned what else? Cornerstone. And I see it all over the place, people. I see it all over the place. I, it hurts me because it is so common today here's here's how subtle it is what kind of worship service do you have contemporary or traditional really what was the foundational worship service that was by the apostles and prophets see what i mean how crooked have we gotten we concluded now that we know how to build a better church. So you didn't like the old one, we'll put a new foundation. Okay, if you put a new foundation, who's the cornerstone? Okay, so I biblically do not see a need for the apostles and prophets. I do not see a need for another cornerstone, nor do I see a need for another foundation. Okay, let me ask you a question. What's needed now? Easy, evangelists, pastor, teachers. Why? Mm, common sense. Why? If the foundation's laid, we should be in the up process instead of the out process. Okay, Acts 15, I shared that with you. Um, James is called a messenger. Okay, a sent one. But again, small a, little a. All right, let me show, give you some other guys. Here, do you understand that the apostle Peter preached in Jerusalem? You know, one message, 3,000, another message, 5,000. And you're thinking, who took over the church? James did. Why? Because that's the way God said to do it. That's the way God said the plan was going to be. All right. So God's design was the apostles laid the foundation. The apostles laid the pattern for the church. What does the apostle say that the church is supposed to do? That's, it's like people say, uh, well, I, I just don't like to be in church. I don't want to go to church and all the rest of it. And I ask them a simple question. You know them little letters that are in the New Testament? Uh-huh. You know, the little ones, not the big letters, not the gospels and acts. The little letters. The, we call them the epistles. Okay. Mm-hmm. Who are they written to? Church. Or church leaders. Philemon is a church leader, right? Jude is a church leader. Go through it. Peter, church leader. John, church leader. That'd be them little John letters, right? Then you have Ephesus, Romans, Corinthians, Galatians, Philemon, or not Philemon, Philippians. All right, who were they written to? Churches. So I'm thinking that the New Testament writers sort of had a passion, a thing that they were kind of focused on. The church. Why? This is how you're going to be. Each letter in the New Testament, them small, the epistles, are dealing with a situation or situations that are in the local church. That will appear where? In the local church. In the local church. You know, um, I, I preached a message to my brothers in Russia on sound doctrine. Sound doctrine, sound doctrine, sound doctrine. And they, of course, they're all very sound, very, very solid. It's really cool to see. And I said, and you think you're immune. Paul told the church in Ephesus in Acts 20, hey, ravity's wolves will come, not one in spirit's flock. Maybe even from among you. And he was talking to who? The elders. Guess what? Came in. And he had to send Timothy back in to clean up a mess. Okay. What has happened to us today? It was the same place. That's why it hurts me to see Christians who don't know the way around the book. Why? How do you know you're being lied to? 
Well, the guy's got a degree. In what? In what? Please be careful. All right. Um, You see this foundation laid. All right. And then it was given over to the elders and deacons. The Southern Baptists hate me when I preach this. Okay. But it comes out of Philippians 1. 1. Why? And to the elders and deacons. Paul's saying that there's a difference. He says once the foundation is laid, guess what? I have overseers and servants to take over. All right? Um, I see a guy named Andronicus and Junus in Romans 16, verse 7, and they are called messengers, apostles. All right? James, the Lord's brother, is called an apostle, a messenger. Uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 23, there were some apostles, messengers, who accompanied Titus. Small a's. Uh, Epaphroditus, in Philippians chapter 2, verse 25, is called an apostle. It may translate a messenger in your book. Okay, it may be that terminology. The original word is an apostle. Okay, but let me tell you something. It is different than the big A's. It is way different than the big A's. Okay, again, me going to Russia bearing the good news, guess what? I am a messenger. I am a, an apostle. All right, but if you look at the guys that I just named off and what I've done, who have I given myself unto? The apostles' doctrine. The big A guys. They laid out this book, and I'm just taking it in one ear and passing it out in the other, like this. People, people, how do you describe your job? I'm a table waiter. God prepares something phenomenal. I try to get it out without spilling it. And that's it. And then I go back in, get another plateful, come back out, set it back down. And it, there isn't anything magical to this. I wish there was. Yes, God makes your heart. God makes your ears. Yes, 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 I understand all that. But my job is to get it from the kitchen and get it on the table. Try not to spill it. And sometimes I do a good job. Sometimes I, have to, I spill it. All right. Let me give you another thought on the big A guys versus the little A guys. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12, <clears throat> says this. The signs of a true apostle. See, some people had come into the Corinthian church and accused Paul of uh, not being legitimate. Okay? And 12, he says, The signs of a true apostles were performed among you with all perseverance by signs, wonders, and miracles. Okay? Big A guys. You know what that is, right? Miracles, signs, wonders, mighty deeds. Okay, that doesn't mean I see somebody out there and they have a headache and it's going to go away in a minute. I don't see somebody out there with a backache and it'll go away in a minute. Uh, We have an epidemic of one leg longer than the other and those are all going to be fixed. That's not what I'm talking about. Okay, I'm talking about going to the morgue at Swedish Hospital and telling everybody to get up. And they all get up. Okay, there ain't no doubt in your mind that, oh, something has happened. Why? Think about it. They're laying the foundation for the birth of the church. How do you prove it? How do you prove it? Signs of God. Okay? I mean, amazing stuff. I mean, that one guy, he, he made him blind. I don't, how, how much did it cost me to buy the Holy Spirit? You'll never see the Holy Spirit. The guy goes blind. Peter could walk by, his shadow can heal people. Now grab all of that. I'm just not seeing that today. Okay, there's some people I wanted to blind, but I, you know, best I could do is boink right in the eyes. But 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 do you see what I'm trying to get at? How do you affirm it? Now then, today, how do I affirm whether that's a false teacher or not? By the scriptures. Why? One of the keys to an apostle, capital A, is that they were receiving divine revelation. God was, are you here today? God has just told me. What do you mean he told you? Did you hear a voice? We got medicines for that. 
But what do you mean he told you? Okay? And I know people... Listen, I've had people come to me and say, God's telling me to divorce my husband. I think that's a little G. Okay? Please get a hold of this. God's not going to tell you to do something contrary to his scripture. Let me tell you something. If you're not in the book, you're not on your knees, and you're not in the fellowship, you ain't got a clue what he's saying anyway. You haven't got a clue. And bless your hearts. But the original apostles, capital A dudes, had the ability to do signs and wonders. Okay? Um, Hebrews chapter 2, verse 3. This church of Jewish believers says this. How will we escape so great a salvation after it has been spoken through the Lord? It was confirmed to us. By all those who heard, God also testifying with them, both with signs and wonders and various miracles of the, and gifts of the Holy Spirit, according to his will. He's seen the power, okay? It was confirmed. The apostles had come. They had seen it. They had seen it. And they had done stuff that ain't magic, okay? I mean, blind, uh, eyeless sockets in the head all of a sudden had eyes. People who were paralyzed, flat out paralyzed, could not get up ever again, got up. Let me ask you a question. I get people talking about this healing stuff. We need to do this healing. We could do some miracles, man. We could get this stuff done. Let me ask you a question. The last letter that was ever written in the New Testament is in 2 Timothy. Paul was in the Mamertine prison preparing to die, have his head cut off. Okay, now this is Paul. Paul's no slouch when it comes to things of Jesus, right? He's kind of... Narrow-minded. How's come he didn't tell Timothy to come and put my head back on when they kill me? He said, bring me a coat. (laughs) That was it. Why didn't he say, send the healer brother down? Why didn't he say that? See what I'm saying? That's why I want you to look at the scriptures. What does the scripture say? We're going to do this with a gift of tongues. I can show you tongues. Piece of cake. I can show you where it's used all the time. I don't believe that the sign gifts are gone. I don't believe anybody's using them. Why? Who? Why do I need to confirm it by a miracle when I have the miracle of the written word? Okay? Why do I don't need that? I don't need a magic trick. I don't need emotional. That was cool. God must have been here. Why? I just felt that way. Well, listen, I seen Pink Floyd in Philadelphia. It was a miracle, but God wasn't there. Well, he might have been there, but he was just shaking his head. But I mean, but he wasn't doing the stuff I was seeing. Okay, and was it real? I'm pretty sure it was. Please get a hold of this kind of stuff because that buys into the enemy. We need to understand something. The original apostles, the capital A dudes, confirmed it with abilities. Miraculous powers. Not, you know, I remember a guy who said that he knew this guy who had a cousin who was blind who lived down in this hole here, but he went by this other guy and he got seed now. What? Hey, you know what? My wife used to wear glasses. Now she doesn't. And I didn't do it. Okay? Why? Some guy with a laser beam did it. Oh, Terry, seeing aliens. That's right. It's aliens. <laughs> Listen, it was a unique, unique time in the history. God was doing something that had not had been hidden, had not been seen. It was called the church age. You're still in it. He had to lay down a doctrinal foundation and he established a pattern. Okay? The only time that you ever see the church, the apostles collectively in, is Jerusalem. And that was a model for what we need to be doing. Okay? Uh, let me wrap this thing up. <clears throat> Do we need apostles today? No. I have doctrine. I have good doctrine. I have phenomenal doctrine. If I want to test somebody, I hold it to the scriptures. I shared with you that one time that lady came up to me and I said, how do you know you're saved? And she said, well, this one shadow put his hand in my hand, this other shadow's hand, and that was God putting my hand in, the, in, the, in the Jesus' hand. And I thought he was light. How do we get a shadow out of light? Okay. I don't have to. Can you do a miracle? Okay. I don't need new truth. I don't need new patterns for the church. Well, what about missionaries? What about them? <laughs> they are sent ones. Small a. Here's the problem I have with missionaries today. Who's sending them? 
Who sends them? I don't see that. What we're propagating today, I don't see biblically. That's why I enjoy what we're doing in Russia. Who's doing it? We are. You and I are. All right. Some say an apostle today is the theologians. They have the gift of knowledge and he should get the title of apostle. Oh, wait a minute. Isn't he studying what the apostles have already said? Okay, that's what I was thinking. So he ain't an apostle. Capital A. I don't need a cornerstone. I don't need a foundation. Okay. I want to conclude with this thought. In Ephesians chapter 4 verse 11. Oops. Come on, come on, come on. Right there. I want to show you something here that I know emphatically is missing in the body of Christ this day. Okay? <clears throat> Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. Pastors and teachers. Okay? See who's there, right? Okay, now if I take a missionary and I say a missionary is one sent out from the church, I'll give you an amen on that one. Small a. All right? But look at verse 12. What is the reason for these gifted men? Equipping the saints for serving. There are so many out there today claiming to do what they're called to. And they're not equipping this church. If you're not equipping the church, don't tell me you're doing it for God. I don't care what you're doing. You can just go do it. Fine. But don't blame God for it. All right? You've got to get a hold of that. These supernaturally empowered men had one very focused purpose. The bride of Christ. I'm going to close with this. I was going to use it in a later sermon, but I'm going to close with this. One of the things that I learned in my travels, whether it's California, New Mexico, Russia, something that God has showed and laid on my heart that's just amazing. And I'll, I'll use this illustration. A couple of you have heard it already, but bear, act like you haven't heard it. Okay? I remember when my, I got married to my wife. And uh, um, many of you may remember this day, but you remember that when you were standing up there at the, the, by the pulpit and they come around the corner there and they've got the veil and the dress and, and then their hair's done, their toenails are done. I still haven't figured that out. And then the fingernails and all the rest of it, it's all done. And you look at that woman come down. Now, maybe it's just me, but you look at that woman come down. And I've been in weddings before where you look at that woman come down there and that is the most elegant thing you've ever seen in your life. You just sit there and go, whoa. Right? I mean, now, Al, I'm not going to pick on you, brother. I was thinking about it. It's a long time for you. I remember that. That's all right. And, and I know she's still the most elegant thing. Come on, Al. Okay. Uh, <laughs> you're going to get in trouble here, dude. I'm trying to save you. Okay. <clears throat> How elegant is the bride of Christ? Do you realize that today... She is the most elegant thing on the planet Earth right now. Right now. And there are gifts of men given to strengthen the saints so that her beauty just gets brighter and brighter and brighter. I like that idea. And that there put some fire in my tank. And we better start shedding all of this stuff and start saying, I am here because I want to see the bride of Christ, the single most glowing, beautiful, elegant thing that the world has ever seen. And I want her to be ready when the groom says, let's time. Now you want to sit around. I, you know, I agree. I don't remember who it was. It was Calvin or one of them really smart guys. 
said, you know, the church is sort of like Noah's Ark. If it wasn't for the storm outside, the stink inside to drive you out. There's times I've looked at her, and yep, absolutely. I've had some of the most harsh things said about me from Christians than I ever did when I was evil. But let me tell you something. That still does not negate what Christ is doing. And you can sit there and you can cast your stones at her, or you can say, am I equipping the saints for the work of ministry? Am I being equipped for the work of ministry? So understand, we're a few years out of foundation work. Okay? So let's get busy. Let's get after this thing and present a chaste virgin, holy and pure, washing her with the word. What do you think? That rocks my world. Let's pray. Father, I give you the praise for your word, for the praise for your bride, your moving of your spirit. Lord, I just rejoice that you've drawn us this day. Father, help us not to be ignorant about the spiritual gifts, our spiritually gifted people. Father, let us understand and be thankful for the apostles. Father, let us be thankful for those who are sent out this day, those of us who will go forth with the message of eternity and the power of you who spoke existence. Father, let us understand that we are sent out from you. Father, let us thank God. Let us thank you. Let us be overwhelmed in gratitude for the apostles and prophets. You revealed through them what we stand on today. Father, help us. Help us lean full weight upon your glory. To your praise and name. Amen.